Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey guys, I'm Sai. Welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Danny Batten Fight Show. This is episode number 68. Tonight we will be talking to our special guest, Struck co-host, because Danny is only here for a short period this week. And uh, we're going to talk Cage Warriors from uh, the last three days, as well as UFC from last night, and a couple of other little bits. So it's an action-packed show. Uh, as ever, you can get this show and all the other shows we do on uh, Ace Podcast Nation, youtube.com slash Nation. If you want the video versions, and of course the audio versions are available at all the regular podcast platforms around the internet. But uh, with no further ado, let's get into it. Of course, joining me as ever, even if it's just for a short stint, it is former Cage Warriors champion, UK MMA legend, it is famous Danny Batten. <laughs> hey, you alright, Si? Alright, buddy. Alright, buddy. Yeah. Famous famous Danny Batten. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you've got an extremely busy uh, couple of weeks. So, obviously, you're uh, off back off to London tomorrow for uh, to prepare to go out to the States with Modestas. Yeah. So, uh, you're going to join us for a half hour or so, talk about Cage Warriors and, uh, and then you're going to shoot off for me and Richard, who are our special guest. Delighted to welcome back a professional MMA fighter in his own right. And, of course, some would say the better-looking Moons brother. It is <laughs> Mr. Richard Moons. How goes it, Richard? Welcome back, my friend. Thanks for having me on. No worries, mate. Good to have you back. Um, so I think we've got to start with Cage Warriors. Uh, Danny? It's been a. It was an incredible three days of fights. Um, Ian Dean deserves a knighthood because for all these trilogy shows. But even going back before that, like Cage Warriors over the last couple of years have really stepped it up, and um, the matchmaking I think is a massive part of that. 
because they just seem to find the right combinations of fighters. I, you know, nine times out of ten, the combo is good. Um, a little bit disappointed that there was certain fighters not on the card this this trilogy, but there was various reasons for that. Um, like Oban was looking forward to having his welterweight uh, return, and I was looking forward to that. But his fight, his opponent had um, an illness, and they couldn't find a replacement. No Jake Hadley, um, although he had plenty to say over the weekend, which is always good. But no Luke Shanks, of course, as well. So there was a few names missing, but there was plenty to talk about. And, then, uh, and of course, we culminated with um, your fighter in the main event, Danny, of the last yeah. day, fighting for the title you used to hold. Um, before I get your opinion on that, I've been... Uh, Something I don't normally do a great deal is I've been looking on Twitter and Instagram today a lot, um, and the French MMA fans were not happy. Uh, they felt that they they were uh, Morgan Cherrier was robbed and this that and the other. But for me, if you look at the way the scorecard uh, the scoring works, and it's you know it's clear, like he didn't do enough, um, and even though he did have Jordan up against the cage a lot. He didn't do anything with it. He was happy to... He was almost like he was taking a breather. Um, I just felt he was quite gassed after a couple of rounds. And I just felt Jordan did more in the striking. So because Cherrier didn't do anything when he had the clinch, it was tough. He lost. And I felt like the majority of sort of experts and journalists, and I haven't seen anyone say, you know, Cherrier should have won. It's only the French fans and... Like Paddy said to us a couple of weeks ago, mate, um, he has got a big following. Um, I don't know. Paddy said he was all hype beforehand. Like, I know you don't want to say that, but like, I felt I was a bit disappointed with some aspects of where he went. Because I think he will be frustrated by his performance, but ultimately, I thought Jordan did very, very well. I'm sure you're excited and happy, so tell me about it. Well, yeah, uh, it was highly stressful, <laughs> but I <laughs> from any coach's perspective. But um, yeah, it, it it was a good performance. It was really for a, a bit of everything. Uh, but I think you really summed it up. I think what went against Sharia was the fact that he was trying to smother the rounds out of Jordan. Um, he knew he was shorter in stature and height, but stockier and possibly physically stronger. And he was just trying to steal the rounds by pressing him up against the fence. But you've got to be proactive with it. You know, he, he held him there and didn't really strike. And Jordan was sort of chipping away with his strikes from there. And Jordan was chasing the win all the time. And it was almost like Sherry was just trying to, like I say, smother the rounds and mm. try to win it on that technicality. But the scoring somewhat changed in recent years, hasn't it? Where, yeah. you know, if you're going you to be in a double position, you've got to do something with it. Yeah. Um, it just wasn't. I think the only reason it, uh, it was allowed to be held for so long was the fact that Jordan was trying to be proactive in it and trying to get opportunity to get knees off. And he did get a couple of spotting knees off. But Sherry did waste a lot of time in that pinch. And I think that's ultimately what went against him. But he did have his moments. He had his moments where he could have capitalised on the ground better than he did. But we can only really give the, you know, the thumbs up of respect for what Jordan did. You know, a couple of difficult situations. He worked well at scrambling back up to the feet. And he just looked like he wanted it more. Uh, and, and that's like the, the biggest factor, really. He was just gunning for the win from, from start to finish. He just wanted it. And Sherry looked like he going through the motions a little bit. 
Yeah, I felt with Cherrier, um so Jordan, I thought, particularly in the first three rounds, I thought his striking was really crisp and, and his movement and everything. He he did sort of slow down a little bit towards the last couple of rounds, but I think part of that was because Cherrier, I think he knew he was behind, particularly yeah. in that last round, so he went a bit harder looking for the sort of for that big shot. But he was kind of, Cherrier was very much, when he was striking on the feet, he was loading up those shots. And once Jordan took a couple of clean shots and didn't wobble, I felt like he got frustrated. So he changed tact a little bit and went for those clinch against the cage. But the rules are clear, mate. Like, if you're not looking for a submission or a finish and you're not um, striking, it's not enough to just hold your opponent against the cage. And I could hear you, like, shouting to Jordan or saying to Jordan, his head's coming lower and lower. Look for that knee. And he did, he, I think he tried it once or twice. But actually, Jordan got off more strikes, even in the clinch, which yeah. I just felt like, I thought it was a very mature performance for someone who's, you know, Jordan's quite inexperienced. He's got, what, eight fights, nine fights? Yeah, nine um, now. He's a young guy, and, like, he just looks so relaxed, so crisp. Um, and he never really looked, I didn't think, in danger of, being finished or even look in trouble. I thought his defence off the, when Cherrier did take him down to the ground, I thought Jordan's defence was excellent as well. He was very quick back up onto his feet. He was never stuck in a, you know, on the ground, on his back at any point. There was one point where no, I don't even think there was one point really. I didn't feel like Jordan was particularly troubled. Richard, what did you think of um, of Jordan's performance and the fight overall? I thought it was brilliant. Um, I 100% give the fight to Jordan. So I don't know. I think, you know, these French people sort of that are laying into Jordan, a lot of them are kind of like just kids that spend too much time on YouTube. Yeah. I don't know if they really know MMA, but when I watched it, man, I'd put Jordan at four rounds. There's only one round that I'd really give to Cherrier, which was the fourth. And I think fourth that's the round, round yeah. where, where he picked him up in the air and dumped him a few times. There was more time mm. on the ground. But Jordan in my opinion, completely outworked Sherrier in the striking. I think Sherrier's striking was really good and he was playing a very patient game. Do you know what I mean? Like, because he, he's got that one-punch knockout power and I assume he was looking for it. So he's been really patient, waiting for that opportunity, but the opportunity wasn't ever going to be there because Jordan didn't give it to him. Jordan just outworked him. That's pretty much it. I thought it's a close fight. But the work rate is from Jordan is what won it. Yeah, like I, yeah. it was, it wasn't like um, it wasn't like that Luke Shanks fight a couple of trilogy or trilogies ago where you know he dominated all five rounds and yeah. just completely you know destroyed his opponent. Like, but I also from start to finish from both. Men. Yeah, yeah. But I also thought Jordan won four rounds. So yeah, whilst it was a close fight, it wasn't close in the scoring for me. If that makes sense. I'd give the fourth round to Sheria and then round yeah. one to three and five was Jordan. Just like he's mixing up the strikes, more kicks. He threw in the elbows, um, landed more punches. Um, and the shots from Sheria were quite devastating, but he mm. just. Jordan's got a chain on him, Like Jordan, he's just, he wasn't really there to be hit. I think no. he just outworked him completely. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think. I think I think the um, the punch count or the strike count was 
250 strikes thrown by Jordan and uh, 150 by Sheria and I think the landing amount was something on 90 something for Jordan and 56 landed strikes for Sheria so there's quite yeah. a large disparity of different regards to oh, yeah. strikes and work rate you know even the shots that are missing it's still work rate and that's intent to win and I think that ultimately that's where Jordan was edging it basically yeah Sheria he looked frustrated afterwards but ultimately if you watched like, I've watched the fight back as well, the second time, when I was less stressed and less hyped. And I still felt the same in terms of how it was scored and the performances of both fighters. Um, Cherrier looked really frustrated, but I think that's because he knew, like, he did have the opportunity to do more. Like, it wasn't like he wasn't able to get hold of Jordan. He had, you know, he had him in the clinch and he, and he caught him with a couple of shots. And he, I just felt like maybe he could have done a bit more and I think he knew that and that's why he was frustrated um, did he say much afterwards to Jordan or like did he indicate yeah. that he was annoyed he was clearly not happy uh, didn't really want to engage with Jordan afterwards we shook the coach's hands um, that was okay but Luke Vox was very disappointed but when I was in the medical room Jordan tried to go over to him and he just Sherry just didn't want to know he didn't want to talk to Jordan he was completely miffed off and um, you know these young lads are they're passionate and they're hungry and competitors okay, so mate, he they? He won, you, you can't knock Sherry for that you know he's a competitor and you can't expect him to be happy in defeat but you you, know, you, you, you know, let's be clear you can't knock him for that I can I can do what I want I can yeah. say what I want <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but but like no I, I gotta be honest like I spoke to Paddy a little bit last night after the fights and then like I said to him like I felt like Cherrier didn't turn up really like I just felt that the positions he got himself in with into he should have done more knowing that Jordan was ahead on the striking like yeah. and if, whether that's him thinking for himself we talked so much about fight IQ Dan over the 60 odd shows like and how if the fight's not working or the game plan's not working you've got to change it up and he just kept going to that clinch and it was almost like he was resting and for me all right if you're going to keep going to that clinch that's fine because the the process of getting there is working but you have to do something with it look for yeah. elbows or yeah. try and take I, him to the I, floor but you can't just stand there i honestly believe that he thought he won it in terms of sharia i, I really do think he did I, old I rules he, he would have though yeah like old yeah. like Maybe, 10 yeah, years ago absolutely. he would have probably yeah but, and um you know, you know, maybe that's what they think. They're thinking, as long as they hold him there, that was going to be enough because to them that he's in an advantageous position. But that's like someone being on your back in guard and the person on top don't throw really any shots, but it's getting lumped up from underneath. The guy underneath course, is yeah. going to be winning that exchange. You know, you've, you've got to be proactive with your proactive positions. And yes. He just wasn't doing that. And that went against him in the end. And hopefully you'll learn from this. But the only way you're going to learn from it is by accepting it, seeing where you went wrong and yeah. changing it and switching it up next time around. But you're right. You know, I felt like he didn't turn up in the form of... Um, it just wasn't switched switched on, I suppose. It just yeah. didn't look like he was amped up to hunt for the win. Uh, it was strange with him. Strange. But yeah. regardless, there was moments for Sherry. There really was. There was moments yeah. where he took 
Jordan down and he's very, very close to securing the back position. I mean, that could have been a sticky situation. But Jordan is really, really good in the scramble. He seems to just have a good sense of what is and what isn't. I'm talking the grey area stuff now. I'm not talk, talking like solid, you know, back take positions we hooked in, the, the half positions that happened during scrambles. He was very, very good. If you remember when he fought Paul Hughes, he was really, really good in those scrambles when he got hit the switch on and uh, Paul Hughes was heading towards his back. He's very, very, very good at stopping someone securing hooks in and fixating that position. And that's what we saw again from Jordan. We saw him not allow anyone to dominate him any any solid top position for any length of time. He scrambled back to his feet at all times. He was keeping the game going and Syria was just trying to stop the game from moving on. And, you know, hey, he got the result now. He, he's going to be moving on to bigger and better things, whether it's continuing with Cage Warriors or hopefully getting that call from the UFC because I think that's where he truly belongs. The thing I don't want to happen for any Cage Warriors performer is that you get these outstanding talents that come from the same country and they're all cutting at each other's throats to, to, to get the number one position and putting losses on each other's records. You know who's going to be a standout talent. Let's shift them onto UFC. I think we touched on it on our other podcast. Yeah. Um, and make make room for new talent to come through. Trust me, there's a lot of young talent coming through at all times now. Yeah, I had a Twitter exchange actually earlier today with Jack Shaw about Paddy Pimblett because he was sort of saying he asked the question: Should he go to the UFC or should he, you know, should he go for the title again? And like for me, for Paddy Pimblett in the lightweight division. I don't feel like there's anyone on his level, um, and I just feel like it's probably time to move him on because he's get his all-round game is so good. He's matured, and I just think now's the time for him. We'll talk about his fight in a minute, um, but first of all, we'll talk about your other fighter who fought on the uh, the prelims last night on the same card as Jordan, which is your brother Richard uh, Tom uh, had a, a good tear up with Yassin Belhaj. Uh, he lost. 29-28 across the boards by a decision. Uh, this was a real close fight, and I thought um, I actually thought Tom edged it, but yeah, I'm getting when it's in the hand of the of judges, it's... I mean, what the, did you I think? think? The judges like Tom, in all honesty. On page four, okay, like that's the. I don't know. I, I did see Tom say that on social they're, media they're, today. They're not, they're not looking after Tom, and I don't think they see the star value in it. But this is another matter. But the fight itself, I thought, was brilliant from both competitors. Um, and I knew, at the time, I knew Yassin was going to get the, the nod. In my head, I kept telling myself, like, nah, Tom's won that because I want I, I expect to see what, what you think comes about often. Um, but I watched the fight back, and round one is clearly Tom's. Could be a 10-8 round for Tom. He, dom he dominated it, like absolutely dominated that round. Um, round three is clearly Bell Hodges because he was striking Tom up with knees through the middle and with the elbows. They was both really fatigued. And then in that third round, the size advantage played made all the difference for Bell Hodges. Tom couldn't quite lift his feet up off the floor to get them takedowns, which he was doing throughout mm. the fight. The round in question is round two. Okay, yeah, I'm his twin brother, so I'm probably a little bit biased, but I've watched it back today, and fuck, it could go go either way. I want to give it to Tom. The only reason why I wouldn't give it to Tom is because of that guillotine attempt from Bell Hodge. Yeah. It was deep. But Tom fought through it, and Tom come back with his own guillotine attack. 
So if we go guillotine for guillotine choke, then it's neutral. Tom dominated the majority of the round. So I want to say a 10-8 first round to Tom and a 10-9 second round to Tom. I have Tom winning, but I, I just don't think Cage Warriors see him as a superstar that he is. And he's worth a lot more to them. And I don't know, I'll I, I give a fuck to Tom. Yeah, I, I did That's feel he won. It's the honest truth. And it's like... I haven't like lost people, and these people I barely know. They're all coming to me on the social media saying, "Tom won that." Oh, your brother's a warrior. Fucking hell, blah blah blah. Everyone's watching this story with Tom. They're seeing their career unfold, and they're all dead impressed. And um, there's a lot of people saying about treatment on the platform. There's a lot of mm. people, and they're all saying the same thing. It's not just me. It's a hell of a lot of people, and they're, they're yeah, I am. Um... I think he's got massive value to Cage Warriors because not just from a talent point of view, but he also, he very rarely has a snooze fest. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so well, if you put it. Tom, if you put Tom in a, on a card, he's going to have a, a, a war or he's going to finish someone. And I just think, there, there are better I don't know. That, that they can give Tom to increase his yeah. value. But if he keeps losing, you don't have to pay him any more this second time around. So his value stays low. He's 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 of good value to the company because you know they put him in there with anyone. He'll fight anyone. He looks good against anyone. Don't have to pay him nothing. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't think he's being treated right. And that's it. I'm just saying it as it is. Interesting. That, that's what we want, though. But I, no, you say I it was good. Win, yeah. I had him winning the fight, and I've had him winning. There's two other fights on that yeah. platform. I've had him winning. And the problem is because he's a small in the weight division. It's always quite close, so I'm being salty. Yes, I am, but it's my family that's in there. My family risking life to make other people money. I'm going to say it as it is, you know? Yeah, yeah I appreciate your honesty, mate. Um, yeah. Danny, as his coach, his friend as well, like, how did you see it and how did you see the fight unfold? And also, what do you make of like what Richard said there? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree to a point with what Richard's saying. Um, you know, we talk personally about this, um, not in a way that has to be a secret or anything. I don't like him being a lightweight, period. Yeah, um, you've said that. Yeah, it's good. And I... look, um, Cage Warriors know that Tom is a featherweight. Yeah. And Tom is fighting at a lightweight, and they've got to be thinking to themselves, well, look, he doesn't value himself enough to get down to be effective in the weight division where it's really going to count for him. So what is he doing in the lightweights? Well, to them, it's an athlete that no longer takes himself seriously, so they won't take him seriously. That's honestly how I see it. They're a company that it's, it's cutthroat. You've got to be at your best at all times, and um, and you've got to conduct yourself in the best way possible to to get like what likewise respect and value. Um, to me, Tom being as a lightweight, it's totally ineffective. The only way he's going to be effective, he can he can't compete against the top top guys. The very, very best in the lightweight. He's not big enough to. He's only ever yeah. going to be effective and, and stand a chance uh, at getting back on track in the featherweight division. But why he's, he's looked good in both lightweight, lightweight fights. Even, on cage room, yeah, yeah, okay. But look, even, even if he got two, even if he got two wins at lightweight, mm. and um, he gets two wins in a row against like lower level guys, mm. he ain't going to give me up for the top tier guy now. Yeah. Um, He's going to eventually have to go back down to featherweight anyway, yeah. but those that he and then he's got to rebuild himself at featherweight anyway. Every yeah. fight he does at lightweight is doing nothing to further his career, nothing at all, because he will never ever win the title at lightweight. Period. Yeah. But he can 
get to title contention in the featherweights. So every fight he's having is, to me, a waste of time. And all it's done is damage you, his um, career. And, and so that's Dan, how I, I love is, Tom to bits. I, I love you, Mernsey, for bit, uh, to bits. But it frustrates me that it, um, Jordan knows how to do the weight cut in a very, very well, safe, constructive way. He could give it to Tom on a plate and, um, and, and get him back down to featherweight. Listen, this is the craziness. Jordan fought on the day heavier than Tom would, and they were both in two different weight divisions. That ain't yeah. right. That ain't looking after your health. That ain't taking yourself seriously. So how can you expect a promotion to take you seriously when you're acting like a journeyman? But and, here's and a question for you, I Dan, feel. then. And I will be harsh on him because I want to protect him. Yeah. I know I understand that. It's, it's all coming from, from, from love and, and wanting him to, to be the best then. he can. But here's a question for you, then. If Cage Warriors, uh, as a company, or whoever, whatever company, uh, was to pay not just Tom, but other fighters more and, and treat them and promote them as best they can, meaning that they could give up their full-time jobs, meaning that they could put all their training into into fighting, they would get the best version of ev not just Tom Mearns, but every fighter. Do you see what I mean? Um, like, if... Go on there, well, Richard. I think, basically, at, at the domestic level, part of the art is how do you free up your time to become a full-time athlete? So... Jordan's extremely well calculated and has manifested his old career, you know. By being a full-time athlete, he was PT and all that. So to be a professional fighter, you've got to think about, you've got to earn money outside of the sport in a way that serves you in your training, if you know what I mean. So that is part of the skill. So And that is all on the fighters. But um, I guess Tom's a bit, well, me included, we're simple men. We don't know how to really make money. Oh, um, my God, train you said it's true. We are only fighters. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But unfortunately, this game, like, it's a fact. They don't pay. It doesn't pay until you get to the UFC. So it's like you got to you got to get everything in order on the way to the UFC so that you can make the weight cut. So me and Tom are roofing at the moment. A cut to featherweight could be us passing out on top of a roof. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I'm carrying like we're carrying like 20 kilograms up ladders, two story high. You know, you yep. need no, to appreciate. eat good, and this is this is part of the skill of being a fighter. Yeah. Is how do you manage all of this? So that's, and I totally and that's understand down on that. us. That's down on Tom. Yeah, yeah. You know for sure. I totally understand that's, that. No one but else's then, shoulders. But then you've got to make that choice. Uh, either, you know, just being a domestic fighter, mm. or do you want to really make it well class? And, yeah, and no. you got to, what, what sacrifices you you're you going to make? Yeah, that, yeah that's, that's what I think. Difficult part of being a fighter, which that's yeah, yeah. where you got to scratch your head together and really make a plan, put pen to paper. We so spoke time, isn't it? Yeah, that's you, what we're going to work on. You know, we'll work on that. Sure. But Me and Simon, we spoke. I said we get back yeah, to the I, fight. This is a whole other subject matter. You know, the fight was brilliant and the show sure. was brilliant. You know, that's yeah, yeah. what this one is going to be about. Yeah, it was a great, great fight, great performance by Tom. I mean, obviously, we always worry because he does give away our tires. Mm. Um, you know, he, he, he had that. That devastating yeah, lot the size is what cost him the third round. So yeah, he does need to go third. Sure, True. absolutely that. And, and I think he will be a, a real contender in that featherweight division. And, and oh, yeah. you know, it might sound like we're arguing. We're not. We're, we're just no. we've just got Tom from different viewpoints. But I think ultimately, I no, think I, you know I'm, I'm, I'm with I'm with you, Danny. I, I, I totally yeah, understand what you're saying. Yeah, it's not easy. This is yeah, something this is the that hardest me and part of the game. Training's fun. Yeah. 
That's it. Fight the channel and You have relationships. Yeah, you have relationships, you have jobs, and then ain't straightforward. Everyone just sees the two fighters getting in there and think that that's all they do. They don't. They have lives to lead, and it ain't easy. It really ain't mm. easy. But if Tom wants to make things easy for himself, he's got to go through some more adversity. And my goodness, for a pro fighter, he's, he's, he's someone who's experienced yeah. it all. But yeah. going through everything he's been through, I want to see him push one yeah. last real hard time. He's yeah. still young enough to pull it off. He's got a fantastic team of coaches, a fantastic yeah. team of students around him. And um, a lot of people have a lot of love for Tom that want to help get him back on track. And, um, and he can do it. He can do it. Like I say, Jordan has offered it to him. He offered it to him that night. Let me sort out all your diet plan. Let me sort out your weight cut. Let's get you back where you belong. And I think if he does that, he'll get back into rele relevancy within 18 months. Yeah. Look. The frustrating thing from fighting overall is MMA fighters, at, uh, so like a cage warriors, let a cage. <laughs> but like if you if you looked at like boxing, the That's same sort of level, same level as cage warriors, but in boxing, the fighters get paid so much more, so they can afford to train full time, and and they don't need to kind of have jobs or whatever because they're able to and that's what frustrates me like overall is like i wish that these guys who were putting on these incredible shows for cage warriors i wish that the money was there for them because cage warriors full time it's the rest yeah the extra time just means you can actually recover from training that's literally yeah of course because working as a professional athlete does but he just doesn't have the luxuries as like professional athletes in other sports you know but yeah yeah, yeah. Fighters fight. Yeah. We fight for other reasons. It's not really about the money as such. It's like martial arts is like a childhood pursuit of being your best self, and that just goes on. And the fact that you can get in the cage and perform a couple of times a year is actually a bonus on top of the lifestyle. Martial arts is a lifestyle, so mm. you know, uh, yeah, go so, I'm grateful to be in there every time. Yeah, yeah. Going back to the fight, I thought like I still I still believe like. I kind of agree with you, Richard, that Tom probably... I he thought he won, won that won second it. round. Yeah, he did. He won it. But He's won a few others you know, as well. That's the fact. It's, um, it's one of them, and it? it's, it's unfortunate. On that... Uh, one, of the, one, one of the fights on the prelims last night was really, I found, fascinating to watch. It was uh, Nicholas LeBlond versus Darren O'Gorman. Mm -hmm. That knockout was vicious. Hard to watch. Um, yeah. Yeah. Was that the one where his head hit the he had to have Yeah, he had to have oxygen. Yeah, and yeah, he yeah, was quite nice. Bless him. I, I, I yeah, it was uh, scary for a like few minutes. Yeah. It was um, uppercut, wasn't it? Mm. Boys, yeah. Uh, yeah. Shocking. Nicholas, then, uh, Nicholas LeBlanc looks like he got a bit of power there. there. Over this trilogy event, there was a lot of knockouts. It was such... It was, the whole event was so exciting like um mm. i tell you um knockout. yeah Pulling i tell you uh, even uh crazy horse as well josh reed had uh, mm. a phenomenal uh, knockout um and on the first one, night wasn't it yeah. yeah one of the fights which uh, one of the fighters which i'm going to be watching very very closely is that swedish guy who fought aiden steven last night tobias harila um he yeah. won via ground strikes uh, like a minute or so into the first round but wow, he looked impressive as all hell. Like, and uh, I had never seen him fight before. And like, Aiden Steven is no mug. Like, he's a he's a good fighter. And um, Tobias Harrier just 
that Went was in the open him. guard, wasn't it? Very, very yeah. early on in the open yeah. guard. Yeah, yeah like a minute, minute for Enan. Yeah, he had the guard very, very loose. And um, yeah, he did look very powerful and precise with the punching. Very, very aggressive. Mm. Um, we're going to talk about certain Scouser in a minute, but I want to talk about another Scouser first. And that was Liam Gittins. Uh, he was defeated by Brian Buland in 52 seconds. This was weird. Like, Liam Gittins came out like a house on yeah. fire. He was throwing all sorts of strikes. Uh, he was calling Brian Buland on. Really, really, really aggressive and, and frenetic. And he just got caught uh, 52 seconds in. It might have even been the first couple of strikes his opponent really sort of threw with any force. Um, Danny, I talked to you briefly over text yesterday about this. It was weird, wasn't it? Yeah, this was the one where he got knocked on his bum and he received another strike and then tried yeah, to yeah. stand up. Yeah, look, you know, it did look like it was an early stoppage, but not really. He, he got knocked on his bum real hard and then he received another really hard hit on the ground. Really clean shot. No defence at all. He had both his elbows planted on the on the mat and he received another strike and, and the ref stepped in. If you get knocked off your feet and you're put on your back, if you haven't got the time to scramble up, you've got to cover it and, um, and, and try to improve your position whilst covering. He didn't have both his elbows on the mat and received another, you know, potentially hard enough to strike to sort of knock most people out. But, yeah, okay, so... It, it, it got what do you make of his tactics, mate? A little strange, because he's small at the weight. He's, he's small, isn't he? A, you see the mm. size difference between them. And to yeah, yeah. go in as fast and as hard as that trying to trade power on power was not a good idea. I don't think it's a very clever strategy at all, to be honest. Yeah. It's kind yeah, of how Lee often fights. He really pulls on the pressure all the time, but but he's yeah. usually not that much of like a size deficit. Yeah. It's good round. Yeah, great. Get, I've seen him, seen him fight like that. Yeah, 52 seconds, and it was like incredible 52 seconds of just excitement. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was a little bit he was a bit you know he got caught at the end of the day is when you go in that aggressive and you're calling your opponent on and you're um, you're trading with anyone if you get caught by a couple of clean shots that's the risk that's the yeah. risk you, you have if you go in and trade like that and he got caught um, and then in the co-main event Paddy Pimblett made his return against David Martinez um, as expected he didn't have uh, too much trouble. He's so uh, so slick in the grappling. Um, it's just very very nice to watch. Richard, what did you think of um, Paddy Pimblett's performance versus David Martinez? And also, like, where what would you what do you think he should do next? Well, in terms of the actual performance, Paddy just annihilated him. There's like not a lot else to say about that. He was flawless. Um, he started off the whole sequence with that um, lead head kick, which he skipped in with. Flurry of like super aggressive boxing. And then they go to ground. Um, I'm trying to think. I think. Oh. So, yeah. So, Martinez tries to close the distance. And Paddy just hit tosses him. Do you mean? Like, he was just. Everything he did was just. He was a step ahead all the way. Hip toss. Yeah. Um, and then he gets the back take from the hip toss. And then um, just gets the choke it was just like it was completely flawless and and what i think he should do next is is like 
So that I'm sure that lightweight title fight is there for him if he wants. Um, but it's it's like he's young, so much talent. It's get get to UFC and just start making a UFC run. Like you know, it, time is like is a key aspect of the sport in, in the MMA career. Just go straight to UFC. Like he's got he's got the talent to fight some of the best in UFC. Get straight there. Get making the money. Yeah, I, I think I think it's time. I do. I I really do. I just think there's nothing left for him to prove or do in the Cage Warriors now. Like he's done it all. Yeah. Like he's he, you know he's been like he's champion. Been he's because he's like he's just synonymous with the brand. Like yeah, he's the poster like, boy, isn't he? You, think, you do. Yeah, you think Cage Warriors? You think Paddy and 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 like I love watching him on Cage Warriors. Um, but he's got so much potential, just get it on the UFC. He could be fighting the best in the world, I think. Yeah, absolutely, Med. Absolutely, I completely agree. Um, Danny, what did you make of Paddy's performance and, and kind of where do you see him or where do you think he should go next? Yeah, it was a really solid performance. Uh, it was nice to see him not completely rush in from the get-go. There was a little feeling-out process, just loosened himself up, and as soon as he was ready to go, well, he, he just went, didn't he? And, yeah, he's you know, slick. He summed it up aggressive kick aggressive hands and that hip throw was so clean and so well executed it looked like it was a demonstration at a seminar and um, he did before he took the back he did have a mount position if you remember rightly richard he took the mount position was very calm and controlled in there he knew he had everything in place and uh, had full control of the situation and again he didn't rush there he threw a little bit of ground and pound he just sequenced to the back and the choke sinked in. He had so much energy about him. He, he could have pulled the poor guy's head off if he wanted to. Yeah, yeah he looks. Um, he looks like he's got all the time in the world, and I think that yeah. shows the level of his, particularly his grappling, but even his like his striking. He just he's got so much time. He looks like he could just do whatever he wants to do, and that's yeah. kind of it. Um, yeah. And that to me that tells you that yeah, come on, he's probably a level above these guys sure. now. And You've got to think, Paddy has been around Cage Warriors for such yeah, been, a long since time. He's grown up in there, hasn't he? He's, like, he's yeah. made his debut when he was 18. He's 26 now. He's, he's grown up on it, and that's just it. He's reached that point, like he was saying when we had him on, that he feels that he's matured. He, he's glad that he didn't go to UFC before because he said he wasn't ready. He feels ready now, and I feel that he's ready now. There's yeah. nothing left for him. He's done everything that there was to be done. And yes, out of the interest as a fan, I'd love to see him fight the top people in that weight division right now and go for the title. It would be a great matchup. But it's just, it's just been going over old ground effectively, I suppose. Um, do you, yeah, I want to see him go to UFC. That's, that's yeah. If they do do that title fight, and I think um, Graham Boylan did an interview during the show and he said, like, they'll make him a big offer to stay. Um, he, he did actually say in an interview, he'd like to be two weight champion. Yeah, and uh, do you think he beats Sadari? Yeah, I think he beats Sadari, yeah. He mentioned Vicenic in the interview, so maybe maybe it's, it's what Paddy wants to do at the end of the day. Maybe he does want to like create the, the most solid Cage Warriors legacy that he's always going to look back on. Um, so, I don't know, it's quite it's exciting to see what he does next. Either way, whether it's Cage Warriors or UFC, I'm going to be tuning in, like, and I think yeah. anyone will be. He's one of those guys, isn't he? Which you want to watch? I'd be—I gotta be honest. I'd be surprised if he was to go down to featherweight. 
Like I'd be, he, I'd, I'd be amazed. Big. Too big. I don't think yeah, he too looks big. too big now. But it's just like, when he was when he was oh, young, when he was younger when he you know when he was 18 19 and he was featherweight champion that was different I think he's too big now and I think like as a lightweight it's the perfect weight for him I think I got to be honest I think he beats Sadari pretty snugly um one of the other fights I really wanted to get your opinion on was um the bantamweight title fight from Friday Jack Cartwright defeated Sylvester yeah. Miller Via disqualification for headbutts. Danny, what did you make of this, mate? Well, uh, I think Cartwright certainly, certainly had some questions put to him that he couldn't mm. find answers to on the night. And that was the low double and low single, the, the low entries at his legs. Cartwright's so dominant everywhere else, but this guy is very, very short in stature, clearly quite strong. Uh, along with it and he's got a good dabble of wrestling capability um, he was really controlling things really really doing well Cotwright had his uh, had a chance didn't he an armbar um, early on but other than that this lad was what's his name Miller was it Miller Miller yeah, yeah Miller. Sylvester Miller yeah, Sylvester Miller so good, but then the strange this night started I mean it was an unusual way to ground a pound where you're hammering down and bringing your head down as well I don't think there was any intent to headbutt whatsoever um, but the ref didn't like it. He pulls him to one side, try to be very, very clear, and it happens again. Pulls him to one side, he goes to the coaches, explains to the coaches, hey, can you make sure that he understands? I don't want to see that head coming down. Now, whether you think the ref right or wrong, the ref didn't like what he was seeing. And he did make it so, so clear, look, I don't like it. There's going to be something that's going to happen with this that I don't want to see. So it could be an unintentional headbutt. Because I don't think that was intentional, but it was was a bit dodgy yeah i just uh, i just watched it back and the third like the final one which causes the disqualification like it's a proper headbutt and it's only the fact that it comes down like on the glances the side of his head if he'd brought that down more central he'd have split his nose over his face like it was a lot of force with it it's it's a shame because he was doing very very well miller was um i don't think he can have any complaints yeah, yeah. I just don't think he can complain because he was warned. He was right told. Yeah, because like I don't think that they weren't intentional, but they were actual strikes nonetheless, and like they they were accumulating. They kept landing, and it's a yeah. world type fight that's not within the rules, and that's it. It's just not in the rules. So, and and he warned him, um, and I, it was in a tough place because there was also like a communication barrier because. I don't think Sebastian really speaks English. Do I have to explain it to his corner and then, and then, yeah, he had to stop it. But um, it was uh, a shame because he was winning. It was a shame, but I think the ref was being really clear. Um, yeah. And again, another ref might not have ever put it into question what he was seeing. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, there, there was a risk of heads coming together with that style of round the pounding. Um, but what I think has happened, I think this Miller clearly trains and does this for his ground and pound and control. He likes to obviously punch and come down low with that head to help have that body-to-body control and close and open He does guard. have a really short physique. Yeah, right? very really short. short. And yeah, Cartwright's and head was quite high up in the guard. It was, it was. Yeah. So obviously he's done this in training and got away with it. Now, he's probably training with people taller than Cartwright as well because the gym ain't full of full of tiny people no. you know people when we have like Luke Chang down, he's having to spar with people that touching six foot quite often and when he's in the close and open guard if he was to ground up in that fashion we need to down if you strike 
you know, your head will be hitting the body. But in this case, it was he had enough height to him uh, to come down where it was actually going close to his head. Yeah. And yeah, unfortunately, that style just didn't suit that situation with that particular ref. But like I say, yeah. I can't reiterate enough. The ref made it very, very clear that he didn't like what he was saying, and he should have adjusted. If he didn't, he almost come down even more so aggressively yeah. with his head. So I'm not surprised the ref ended up not only taking one point, two points, but also the disqualification. I think yeah, it was yeah. good for him because it's easy to it was easy to ignore, and um, and he pulled him up on it. I thought it was a great referee decision. Um, Jan uh, yeah. Blachowicz, uh posted about it today, didn't he? Saying he wants to see the rematch between the two. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's a shame. It's just a shame for the fight to end that way. Yeah, it's a shame. He would have been, you know, he'd have been the new champion, more likely, most likely. So, you know, from his point of view, it was different. A couple of other uh, notable performances, fights. Ben Ales lost his uh, undefeated record to Manny Akpan. I got to say, uh, Manny Akpan, I thought was quite impressive. Um, I've spoke, I spoke to Ben uh, last night and this morning. It, you know, he's disappointed, of course, um, but. You know, sometimes it's the way things go and fight in and he could go away and uh, go away and improve and train. And, you know, he's a young, young guy. He's coming up. He's shown already in his previous fights that he's something about him. Uh, but I was impressed with Manny Akpan, i got to say. What did you, I know you saw this one, Dan. Did you, what did you think of uh, Manny Akpan? Yeah, this he's got the, a really the, weird style, really, haven't he? Really tall, tall as well at the weight, isn't mm. he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a really, really good finish. I mean, as soon as he got space to express his striking, he did and did it to great effect. You know, the, the, the guy looks like he's, he's a potential handful if you allow him the space to activate all those long limbs, you know. Yeah. Um, it was really nice what I saw from him. Um, but, you know, as, 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 it's hard to read into it, really, because... There, there was so much more that we could potentially see from both these fighters, but yeah. it ended the way that it ended. But it was just a great finish. I think it was really, really good, uh, really quite inventive the way he went about it. It was great. It was flamboyant. It was flashy. It'd be great for the highlight reel. Um, yeah. I think we're going to see good things from this young lad. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was really impressive. Um, a couple of other guys who were impressive uh, was Paul Hughes on the Thursday and also uh, Ian Gary on uh, the Friday. Uh, Richard, yeah. what did you make of Paul Hughes's performance? Obviously, right. off the back of his loss to Jordan, uh, he fought James Hendon. He won by a unanimous decision, but um, that, it was a good all-round performance. Friday. Uh, Thursday, Thursday or Friday? Uh, yeah, Thursday, uh, I think. Right, give me one minute. Uh, honestly, uh, there's so many fights. Yeah, th no, it's Thursday, uh, Thursday. So many notes to get through. Um, right, so... I think with this one, because, you know, like, at the same time, I'm sort of prepping Tom for, for his fight coming up. So I only actually got to see round one of this fight. Um, but, you know, it was, it was good. It's like, I'm, I noticed just lots of leg kicks from both. Um, Hughes drops Hendon with a right cross, and Hendon quickly recovers. So it was obviously a, a round, dominant round one for Paul, and that's pretty much all I've got. I think the rest, uh, me and Tom, at this point, had to dip off and just do some pads. Yeah. So yeah, you know, oh, what hell of a week it was. What did you think yeah. of Paul Hughes' performance, uh, Dan? Because I yeah. thought I thought he was really good. Very very solid. They both come out uh, really clearly wanting to try to make something of the leg kicks on each other, but none of them was to 
get a decisive advantage there so that start going into other things which was some punching exchanges and quite a bit of wrestling exchanges that was really interesting because Hendon's got uh, quite a um, quite an established judo background I believe um, we've seen him be very very effective with his takedowns and he's kind of been unstoppable with that uh, but Hughes had some answers for him it, it wasn't so easy for Hendon to, to bully Hughes Hughes is a bag of tricks, man. He's very, very similar to Jordan in so many ways. And he's a real physical guy as well. Pretty tall at the weight. He's kind of got everything going for him. Hendon's very, very short. Very, very strong in a particular way, which is for his takedowns and his grappling. But he was unable to get it to the ground and, and keep it there long enough to show any advantages. And eventually he started trying to muscle Hughes down as the rounds went on. And, and in doing so, he started to get himself a little bit laboured, a little bit tired. And Hughes was able to capitalise and actually take the back of Hendon standing on numerous occasions and utilise some takedowns himself. Uh, to a point where we had an opportunity for some submissions as well. Um, but predominantly, I think we saw the differences start to really display themselves in the striking. And as we went through the rounds, we started to see Hughes establish that advantage of reach, range and explosivity with the feet and stumbled and rocked Hendon a few times. And I was generally really, really impressed. There is a couple of mistakes that, that I feel he will have to work on. Um, mm. though he had an unusually lowered stance and he was doing that through his back leg, which does mean you have a lot of weight on your lead leg use. Um, so he was getting his shin targeted and thigh targeted a lot in the early round. But um, other than that, look, he's a solid individual. He, he's so, so similar to Jordan in many, many ways. and has a similar sort of attitude to the sport. Um, yeah, I think uh, that rematch is going to be uh, sensational again. I think uh, it's, I'm really looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, if that gets rerun, it's going to be fantastic. But uh, I'd really love to see Hughes versus um, Sheria. I think that'd be a fantastic uh, fight. I really do. Well, like a, a number one contender uh, yeah. bout between the two. Yeah, yeah it'd be interesting. Jordan's, mate. Been, Jordan's been extremely active. Extremely active. You know, he, he, how long has he been in Cage Royals? Not not very long, and he's run through. He's got four wins and. Every one of them, he's had either very experienced or extremely talented young fighters to contend with each time. So, you know, I would like to see him take a couple of months out just to get back to just the learning process of things and going back to school regards to classes so he ain't mm. permanently in a fight camp. And uh, yeah. just give him a chance to, to, to regroup himself and decide where and what we want to do regards his career. Because Jordan's in a position for options now. Yeah, 100%. Um, the other name I mentioned was Ian Gary, who fought on Friday. Um, he opened the, the main card. I thought he was exceptionally impressive. Um, I think that was the performance real good. on Friday. Yeah. yeah, it was real, real impressive, wasn't it? It was. Um, he just looks like a bit of a star. Uh, he's got something about him. He's got a, His attitude makes him... You know, he's... Uh, he gives like inter interviews which make you want to listen and his fights you want to watch uh, he finishes fights uh, but he's technically very good as well his striking's crisp he's got a he, he set what I like about him uh, he sets up his kicks really really well with his jab um, and I love that I love when fighters don't just throw sort of high kicks or head kicks like to, head just kick for the sake of it on, yeah, on the last trilogy, he got that um, George McManus with a... That's right, yeah. Lead, lead, uh, it was a lead head kick, I'm pretty sure. This one was off the rear leg, but this one was sickening. The guy was pretty lifeless for, for a I, while. It's, um, 
I like the way that he sets it up, though. He doesn't just throw it, like, just for the... Because he can. He, he sets it up, with it, whether it's with his striking or some low kicks. He always is moving and, and looking for those combinations. And I think that shows the skill level, Dan, doesn't it? It's, it's not just throwing the strikes because you're capable of throwing them. It's throwing the strikes in combinations to set up the big strike, the finishing strike. Yeah, the, no, in Gary was not doing anything just because. He was doing it all for a reason. Everything was pre-prepped. He looked very, very good all round. You know, remember as well, this guy's six foot three. Six foot it's three, that's good height to bring to that division. And looks athletic. What Don't weight is he? Well, to it, yeah, because it's in the, tour, yeah, it's in well the tournament, tournament, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah right. and that, that's, that's I, pretty big. I think he um, he really had a plan for that fight because I, I made notes and I watched round one. Um, Ian dominates round one, and um, but it was very precise boxing and striking, but he was using a lot of leg kicks. And then yeah. in round two, before the head kick, he completely switched the leg kick for front kicks and was only throwing front kicks. And it yeah. just seemed like a completely different tactic. So in round one, he was more on the outside. Round two, who was more forward footwork using front kick. It was like he lured, he showed him one game plan in round one and come out in round two with a completely different game plan. And I think that's how he just picked the guy apart. Like, yeah. like in round one, you do a lot of reading of your opponent and you go back to your corner and think, you think you know what they're about after experiencing five minutes of the fight. And then you come out in round two just doing different stuff. It was very simple. It was just round one was a lot of leg kicks, round two was a lot of front kicks. And I, mm. I just think. Because he'd been used every time you see that that slight adjustment of the leg, you think the kicks coming, and it was leg kicks in round one. Round two, it was just a different kick, and then soon enough, the opportunity was there for head kick, and he just threw it. Must have been like quite a subconscious attack because he just threw it so fast, like it was like automatic. But it was just yeah. oh, it's just class. And um, I he's can't got um, between him and Jack Grant. Yeah, that's gonna be good. That is. Do you think? Um, do you think he wins? Ian Gary, or do you think uh, Grant takes it? it? You, why it's exciting because it's going to be a, a, a striker versus grappler, but I think Ian does have really good grappling as well. But mm. Jack Grant's grappling is like phenomenal. He just got so many finishes with chokes, and he's a real killer on the ground. And then, and um, Ian's just a killer on the feet. So I'm just excited to see where the fight goes. It's hard yeah, to call me too. it. Danny, why does um... Ian on the ground? It'll be Jack. Yeah, hundred percent, Danny. Why um, Ian Gary's got quite a, a low stance for someone who's so tall. Not all the time, but he'll go into like this quite wide, low stance a lot. Why is he doing that? Yeah, I think he's just very, very young and uh, and, and, and energetic. It gives him base to be explosive, um, to, to hit hard, to going hard. Um, yeah, just to show intent. It's mm. almost like a posture of. Come near me, I'm going to attack. Yeah, um, yeah, that was almost like yeah. I just, it's almost like expressing his personality in there because he is quite flamboyant. I got to listen to him and Jordan talking quite a bit, and you can just get a sense of his youth and and, and young demeanour. I suppose you would say. I just think he's just expressing himself there because you know getting into a low stance is not not exactly the most efficient thing to to do in the world, but. Yeah, I just think he was just stretching himself out. Brings your head um, lower though, which can be a tactic. So the guys yeah, aren't yeah, punching yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, could be that. Um, but I just like what I saw. I think he grappled really well as well. I think you know, 
when him and Grant face off to each other, I don't think Grant's going to have it all his own way on the ground. I really don't. And if I'm going to edge it towards anyone, I'm going to edge it towards the striker. You know, really, if you're going to have the advantage on the grappling, you have to have a considerable advantage on the grappling. And I'm not so sure their difference in grappling is going to be enough for it to be a whitewash on the ground. So Grant's going to have to deal with Ian Gary on the feet um, more often than I think Ian Gary's going to have to deal with Grant on the ground. So I would edge it slightly in favour of uh, Ian Gary for this one. Yeah, it's going to be good. Um, the mm. last Cage Warriors fight I just want to mention, mate, is uh, our previous guest, uh, Crazy Horse Josh Reed. Uh, obviously, his previous fight was his return from a quite a long layout. Um, he looked much more himself. I don't know if you did you see this one, Dan? Did you see his Josh's fight? I'm not too sure whether I did. Um, uh, so he fought. He won with a punches and knee. He knocked him out with a knee. It was on oh, Friday, Friday's prelims. It was the right. second fight. Yeah, this was uh, when he done a knee up the middle and then followed up yes. with punches and the ref steps Yeah, that's in. it. Almost a little early. You, you could, you know, you could suspect it was a little bit early because he wasn't an outright knockout, was it? it was a ref no, he was in. like uh, a wobble. Yeah, it was a wobble. But, um, yeah, it, it was really good. I didn't see all of this. Um, I, was, I was just doing other things in between trying to watch it and, and stuff. But, uh, yeah, um. The refs were stepping in quite, quite, quite quickly, quick. weren't they? I don't want to say early, um, but you got to remember Mark Goddard was there and he's really overlooking them all and they don't want to be slipping up when he's there. They're all trying to make good impressions. They all want to head to the UFC at some point and um, I feel like I feel like there was acting like there was under his guidance and yeah. under his eye. Yeah. So, I thought referee uh, Mitchell, I forget his first name, is it Lee Mitchell? The, uh, I forget which referee. Mitchell, I, think so. I think so. Yeah, Richmond. Um, I, I thought he was outstanding actually for the all three days. I thought yeah. he really, yeah. really was. Um, and obviously, we had the he had the disqualification, which he dealt with exceptionally. Um, okay, uh, I want to move on to the UFC because obviously we're an hour in already. Danny, you said you were staying for half hour. What are you doing, my friend? Are you just staying uh, yeah, to talk a bit of UFC? You're here now. You may as well. Yeah, I watched three of the UFC fights. I've managed right. to get three of them in. Which ones did you watch? Then uh, we'll do those first. Yeah, um, I'll just tell Two. you. I watched. Uh, yeah, I watched um, the Bronson Holland. I watched Griffin versus Cannon, uh, and I watched the female bout uh, Byers versus uh, what was her name? Um, Byers versus. Uh, how do you pronounce her name? Uh, Ruiz, uh, Montserrat Ruiz versus Shannon Baez. No, it, 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 no, it, it, it's Montserrat Canajo. It yeah, it was Canajo. She had a different opponent. All oh, right, okay, I've got it. Yeah, down but wrong. I couldn't remember how to pronounce the name. Yeah, Canajo. I don't know how you pronounce it. Canajo, yeah. Okay. Uh, what an interesting match. Did you both see this one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, well, so we'll start yeah. with the women's one. I really enjoyed it for the grappling aspects. I mean, that, yeah. that Kanjijo, oh, 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 she, she kept going for the head and arm throw. But she kept pulling it off. She was giving away some height. She was giving away some, some uh, reach. She had to get in close. She clearly knew what she wanted regards to getting the other, the other girl down. But she did. And we ended up with this really strange fixed piece position, which was enough to keep it grounded, where she had like a form of scaffold. But she made a little error with her leg position. And... Uh, the other girl is around fucking terrible. Shay and Bies. Uh, Bies, yeah. 
Uh, Bite had her leg, so she was always threatening to pop out from that scarfold to the back, which is always the risk with scarfold. Um, so, uh, Kanejo, although performing very, very well, she was making slight errors, in, but she was able to keep the head and arm in, work off some little proactivity. There's always a threat of the submission there as well. She actually utilized it really, really well. But she got there again and again and again. And the interesting thing was, she made a mistake with a leg position where it was her left leg, which was the upper leg, which makes you risk of having your back taken. Uh, then in the second round, she ended up getting the other leg caught up in, um, in the guard whilst having a scuffle, which is very, very unusual position. So for the fact of its unusual positioning, I was really intrigued watching this. I think it was fantastic that someone so small and little in an already little division um, could be so effective. And it was just fantastic. I mean, she, she just had the one go-to all the time. And Bias just never had an answer enough for it. She was a better striker. Um, she could be arguably a, bit, a better grappler, but she was being put into the sweet spot that Pantejo just loved to use. And Bias just had no answer for it. She just getting put put there time and time again. Now, I don't know what happened at the end of the fight. I don't know whether there was some harsh words said or someone thought there was being out of order. I don't know what it was about, whether Bias was just frustrated. But they end up I think breaking there was something said on the ground. Maybe, yeah. I, yeah. I think Kanejo was but, saying something. And then before yeah. the end of the round is when Baez was really trying to just throw some desperate strikes. And right. I think there was just like one or two that were after the bell. And then they just... Maybe, right. I just think it was in the moment of the I, fight, I, just getting the character, they got carried away with the aggression, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I just thought Baez was frustrated. I thought Baez felt mm. like, oh, come on, I don't feel like I've even been in a fight. But she was getting... Yeah. Starfold is not very... They? Yeah, mm. they were sticking the middle finger up whether they get behind. I mean, Dana White's already well stripped off things like that, but you know, the big thing yeah. was used a couple of times in there. I heard there's some of the officials saying, ladies, ladies, but yeah, yeah they weren't happy with each other. <laughs> but I really enjoyed the fight for its extraordinary ground position. Oh, uh, I it thought was it was brilliant. Yeah, it I thought it was very, of, very uh, good. Ronda Rousey a little bit. Yes, yeah, that's pose. right. It was just like, seeing old school Ronda Rousey and I was just such a huge fan of that era of UFC yeah. fight. Um, and she did the same throw each time and that's kind of like when you watch Ronda fight you knew what she was going to do so you hoped her opponents had a plan to stop it and she just did it every time anyway and it was just it was like that yeah. she, she had this this one technique of this of Canada's was so sublime that every time she set it up it couldn't be stopped like that's just it's yeah. just excellent technique and then and she was so good at keeping the girl pinned with the scarf hold, and then she nearly got uh, well. She got like crucifix position sometimes. Oh there yeah, was yeah, risk of, did. Um, Often was risk of back take, which Danny was saying because the legs were tied up. But Canejo just really dominated it, and uh, I thought um, Bai did have the upper hand in the striking, but she couldn't keep uh, Canejo at range. And then when she yeah, she just... dragged her down. Mm, hundred percent. Very fascinating fight to watch. I really, really enjoyed just uh, mm. kind of tuning in and watching it. I thought it was really good, um, impressive, and I like to see that bit of um, like passion and aggression after because yeah. I feel like it does. You know, as long as it's within, you know, within reason, it just shows that shows they care. Shows they, you know, they give it either way. Like you, you know? can say it's unprofessional, but at the end of the day, it is fighting. Like yeah. So and it's in the heat of the moment, isn't it? Sport, you know, you can't really criticise them too yeah. much. It, it was unprofessional, um, but it's a fight. 
Just before we move on to the Keenan-Max Griffin fight, I did want to get, because I know Danny's going to go after these UFC three fights, um, I did want to get your opinion on uh, Julia uh, Storylenko, I think that's how you pronounce her name. Uh, uh, oh, Jesus, she fell over. She, um, she collapsed at the, uh, at the weigh-ins, uh, I think three times as she was weighing in. She didn't look sturdy on her feet. She got on the weighing scales, fell back, Everyone ran in. They kind of steadied her. She weighed again. She figured then the third time they kind of binned it and they binned the fight. You know, they got had to bin the fight. There was no... There's no way you can keep that fight on once she's collapsed in public three times. It's... You know, it's just what it is. Like, the UFC... If if she was to stagger about and collapse like that while in the weigh-in, you know, which goes everywhere around the world on TV and... YouTube and all this. If she then went and uh, you know had a fight, it went three rounds, went to the scorecards, and then after that fight, she collapsed with some sort of problem from being struck multiple times after a bad weight cut, and she collapsed. They would be open to all sorts of criticism, you know, potentially action for not looking after the fighters. Disappointing, but it is what it is. Danny, what do you think about the you know the the scenes of seeing her collapse like that and also, you know, the cancelling of the fight and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, it's such a shame that the fight had to be cancelled, but there was no other option in my mind. You know, the, the girl was clearly taking the weight cut too far and it was too much for her. Uh, yeah, I mean, God forbid, imagine if they let the fight go on and then she gets horrendously knocked out and something happens. <laughs> you know, it put the whole sport in jeopardy. So, well, uh, yeah, it was... <clears throat> Sad scenes, really. Um, but you know, this is the truth of what these athletes are going through. They're always on a tightrope with this. It's not so, an easy sport to be involved with. It ain't just a fight. There's a weight cut. And like yeah. I spoke about the Richard, there's you know, going to work and family issues. And so it just, just goes then, to the truth of the situation with these fighters. She, she said, um, the problem was not my weight cut. Uh, it was actually one of the easiest weight cuts of my career. The oh, weight wow. was dropping. She said the weight was dropping too fast. The main issue, I think, was that I made weight too early. Basically, the weight weigh-ins start at 9 a.m. And I was already on weight at 5 a.m. Uh, it was just too long, uh, too long of a time on the weight. As everybody knows, when you cut weight, you cannot be on this weight for too long because you're already at the limit of your dehydration. That was an issue. Why it all happened? Uh, she says, you know, she's upset and she was she was ready to fight. Um, uh, obviously, you guys know a lot more about uh, weight weight cutting than what I do. But when I think once a fighter, yeah, and once once a fighter faints or collapses during that weight cut, particularly if it's publicly, it's all, it's all you know the fights off. And these days, there's yeah. there's no way around it. Um, is what I actually think. I actually think COVID um, adds another element of risk to the weight cutting. I really do. Okay. Because all these professional athletes, we don't social distance because we've got to train, we've got to roll. But everyone would have had it at some point. And um, it does happen to the, the body's respiratory system. And to cut weight, you have to be incredibly fit. It's just another thing to consider, I think, with the weight cuts. And we have seen more fighters going up in weight as a result of not having access to saunas and things like that. So the weight cut game has changed a little bit because of the pandemic. Like the, the boys at K-Force have no access. At all the trilogy events, you can't access a sauna because of the government mm. guidelines. 
Um, it's a whole other dimension to the weight cuts scene, you know. But it's just it's it's actually unfortunately it's a common scene in um, MMA. Yeah. Collapsing at weigh-ins, it just is what it is. Yeah. So it's it's part of the art is is nailing that weight cut, and it's often as difficult as the fight, you know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And um, the other bit of news I wanted to ask you about, um, Dan, was uh, Alex Volkanovski was supposed to defend his title versus uh, Brian Ortega next week, but he's revealed he's tested positive for COVID-19 and the fight's off, be re- rescheduled. He tested negative after leaving Australia, uh, negative before entering the UFC bubble, and then when he had this test inside the bubble, it was then positive. You know, it is what it is. Who knows? I don't know, but it was positive, nevertheless, and the fight is off, and I'm absolutely gutted. Yeah, that was going to be a banger. Um, I'm very disappointed. Um, they also, Brad R- Rydell was ruled out of uh, UFC on Saturday due to COVID protocols as well. It doesn't right. say whether he was tested positive or if he broke the restrictions within the bubble, but it just yep. says COVID protocols. Um, so back to the, the card last night. Uh, the next one we're going to talk about is because we're going out of order because of the Mr. Batten. But uh, Max <laughs> Griffin versus Song Keenan. Uh, Richard, we'll start with you, mate. What did you make of Max Griffin okay. return to the cage? Uh, let me get to my notes. My notes are massive. I've got so many cage warrior notes and then the US <laughs> notes. There's just so much going on this week. It was mad. Right. One minute. One minute. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was round one KO, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, right. Just give me a minute. Give me a minute. Mm. Should have started with me, Ty. Yeah, well, I know. It, it, it was, it it was, it was over up, so quick. Yeah, I'm not as intelligent as Danny. I can't <laughs> just store. My memory's not as good. Like Danny is like the is like the AI of the human mind. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. infinite, infinite data just readily available. <laughs> Do you know he's he's really good at chess. I bet he wouldn't beat me. Uh, um, <laughs> wouldn't yeah, beat no, me, Danny. He, he KO'd him with a, a lead hook and cross, didn't he? And it was, it was yeah. yeah, brilliant finish. Um, I, I've not got much to say about it other than it was such a quick round. Um, I, um, um, I really enjoy Danny. Max Griffin. I really, yeah. really enjoy Max Griffin fighting. And um, it was great to see him back looking real sharp because uh, that punch which nailed so, uh, Song was... Uh, it was a peach of a right hand. What did you he make of this one, Dan? a few times before. Mm. Yeah, it did. yeah, I mean, that, there was a little feeling out. Uh, Griffin shot in, didn't he? And uh, had like a high clutch position, was trying to feel out whether he's got anything there in regards uh, to takedowns potentiality. But it wasn't there. Max Griffin backs back out, just sticks to the striking. Lands a really hard jab, which stumbled Song. Uh, he's stumbling back, and then he very, very quickly followed up with a one-two. It was actually so fast, I thought it was a cross punch. But um, it was yeah. actually a one-two on the second exchange that, that knocked him clean off his feet and, and knocked him out quite extensively. Yeah, it was beautiful. And I'm the same as you. I quite like Griffin. He, he comes with some intensity. He comes comes in quite high-wide. Bit of character as well. Mildly cocky. Uh, but, you know, he gets it done. And he got it done tonight, or last night, sorry. Uh, very, very well. Absolutely, mate. It was impressive. Um... The main event of the evening was Derek Brunson versus Kevin Holland. Uh, Kevin Holland had a lot to say throughout this fight. 
uh, as it was going on. But Derek Brunson took it versus by unanimous decision. Uh, 49-45, 49-46, 49-46. Danny, we'll go to you first. What did you make of this? Uh, what did you make of Derek Brunson? What did you make of Kevin Holland? Because this was a big, uh, a big opportunity, a big night for Kevin Holland to really show how much he's improved and uh didn't happen for him no it didn't um, it was both uh comical to watch at times um frustrating to watch at times and, and ultimately left me scratching my head of what holland was doing holland's a real talent he's got so much potential but it was almost like the borderline didn't take the fight serious it was like he was in there with a brother mucking about i don't know but mm. You know, Bronson did some great things. Uh, he struck well. He was patient for the takedown. When he nailed the takedown, he was really solid on the ground. He was just pinching the rounds off from Holland. Holland started to overswing his punches, was getting off balance as he threw, and was just being capitalized on by Bronson. Bronson did really, really good. He looked seasoned, he looked experienced, and, and looked mature in there. And Holland was the complete opposite. He looked inexperienced, he looked immature, um, as much as he had me smiling, I couldn't help it because he, his character is, is, is quite comical at times. It just made me think that he wasn't concentrating and, and he yeah. allowed Bronson to just capitalise round after round after round. And uh, there was not an urgency enough to try to get back on winning tracks. Instead, he was had putting hopes only on a knockout. And ultimately, those knockouts were missing and getting him taken down yet again. Yeah, a, a absolute confusing tactic I don't know what he was thinking I, God knows what he's calling when we're telling him in between that must have been going nuts well yeah, Derek Brunson is no mug is he yeah because yeah. I saw that on social media Habib was streaming it on Instagram and he was telling yeah. him what to do and it's like I so, don't know I just brother, thought it was quite it was, it was yeah. a joke it's so he's, weird he's really fuck like but he's such, like Danny said, he is such a special talent. I think he was confident whilst he was in there that he could just knock him out. Like, we've seen him get that knockout from, from the bottom. That was freakish. And uh, he's such a specimen. But it was, I don't know, it's like, it's like he was having fun in there, just enjoying himself. But he was trying to, like, downplay the moment. Like, but mm. too much so that he really did downplay it in his mind and just didn't care. And, like, he knew he lost at the end of it, but he didn't really mind. And I don't know, maybe. Yeah, that's weird. That's a weird attitude to have, isn't it? Very when, yeah. when you don't mind like he, losing. He fights just because like, he can. Do you know what I mean? But he's in the UFC. It's like yeah, he's at the pinnacle De level. Derek Brunson didn't look happy after the fight. Um, it's when quite they were waiting for the when they for the decision. He, I thought that like, because he, he he didn't really seem to want to shake his hand. And Kevin Holland went to speak to him, and he he kind of brushed it off. I just think he felt probably, yeah, disrespectful is probably the right word. I just think it was a massive opportunity for Kevin Holland. Um, and I think he's let himself down a little bit. Uh, Dana White said afterwards that he thinks he had some sort of mental breakdown. Where I think he, I think he said, I think actually that's probably unfortunate wording. Um, I think what he means is the, the pressure of the occasion got to Kevin Holland in that he just perhaps mentally wasn't I don't want to say mentally wasn't strong enough but like mentally just kind of wasn't at his A game and he was wasn't concentrating wasn't doing the things he should have done you know he's been so impressive of late 
so to be pretty much smothered by Derek Brunson, you know, who's who's not not young anymore, is a disappointing result. He wobbled Brunson in round two, didn't he? He did, yeah. Yeah, he could could have finished. So do you think he just thought? You think he just thought he was going to get that chance to do that again at some point? Perhaps, yeah. Um, It's a weird one, isn't it? The striking advantage is with um, Holland, and but he weren't like keeping Brunson at range. No, Brunson just kept taking no, him down. He was swinging um, at him. He was swinging. It was at him. In, it was entertaining. Like so, I guess it's no big deal. But I don't know. He's wasted an opportunity, hasn't he? You know, he um, could have done better by taking it more seriously. Yeah. Well, going back to the start of the show, when I was saying about Morgan Sherrier, he was so frustrated because he felt like. I believe he felt like he could have done more with his opportunity to defend mm-hmm. his title. And I feel like Kevin Holland's in that same boat. He could have done more. And then when afterwards, when it's all over, you feel very frustrated because you're kind of looking back thinking, oh, I, you know, I should have done more with that. And you kind of didn't. And Israel's Dag Brunson, who's ranked seven, will probably go up now and fight someone in the top five. Rightly so. Thought he did a it was a pretty good performance from him. Um showed that he can still go. Uh <clears throat> and I look forward to seeing where Max Griffin goes. Um so the last the earlier couple of fights on the main card, uh Richard we had Adrian Yanez versus Gustavo Lopez. Yes. Um Danny, you no, didn't watch any of these, did you, mate? No, I didn't unfortunately. But yeah, I'm I am gonna chip off because I've got to be up in Yeah, that's hours. all right, mate. I know you uh, I was gonna um, say you gotta go. But, yeah. I mean, I just, I just thought, okay, look, um, I, I slept in a little bit. Obviously, I got back really early hours of last night. I got back about four or five o'clock. It was really early hours. I, I woke up this bit. morning in my clothes, Danny. I was, I'm so knackered oh, from oh, the event. Yeah. Uh, I, I woke up this morning. I had my jeans on, everything. My, <laughs> I still had my, my beer. Literally fell asleep in my corner gear. Wake wow. up like that in the morning. It was. I think it's that adrenaline dump from seeing Tom fight. Seen Jordan yeah. make history. It was uh, it was a hell right. of a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was exhausting. I got to say, when we got back, I went back with Jordan, but I parked my car at the gym. That's sort of, that's sort of like a rendezvous point where we sort of like all met up. So I had to go back to Northampton, then drive from Northampton all the way back to Milton Keynes. So, oh, that drive home was hard. I, I, I had to drive pinning my eyes open. I was shattered, but <laughs> it was all worth it. It was all worth it. Even oh, yeah. Pumped as well. I, I wasn't utterly disappointed with, with Tom's work. No, I thought it um, was very good. It was a great weekend. Then, um, what, what Tom and Jordan have been doing in these trilogy events and all the fighters, because like, it's such a significant part of British sports history. Do you mean that Hedgerow is a yeah. people in operation and like MMA is still such a young sport and, and they're, 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 what they're doing is right in history. Like, it's, yeah. it's so significant and... Um, I'm just so proud of Jordan and Tom. It was just amazing. To be a part of each show, it's been amazing. It's just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will look back on these memories like forever. Like, it's yeah. been a joy. History, it's just been gutted to see Tom lose. But, but nonetheless, yeah. like, there's nothing... It was just special. I wouldn't rather be doing anything else with my time. Yeah. But yeah, well, okay, guys. Right, Danny, it's been a pleasure, mate. Um, yeah, you're not with us next you. week. Um, you're not with us next week because you're in the States. Yeah. Uh, so Brad Wharton's joining me and maybe Richard as well. We're not sure yet, but um, Most we'll see you uh, see you in a couple of weeks, Dan. Yes, okay. Be safe, guys. Enjoy the rest of the Yeah, week. enjoy. Yeah. Make right, sure you bring bring back some numbers of, of fighters for, for
for oh, guests. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Secret mission. Ian Gary said he would come on the podcast, by the way. Did he? Excellent. Yeah. I did message him yesterday. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Top right, man. Cheers, well in. So I'd see you soon, mate. Bye bye. Danny Batten, what a legend. So, um, and then there were two, the two, the two hardcore. Uh, right, so what we'll do, mate, was just round off these last uh, last two fights. Um, yeah, go no, to Lopez, yeah. Yeah, go on, you do that one then, and then we'll do the Thai two Vasa one. Um, yeah. yeah, so we had uh, Adrian Yanez versus Gustavo Lopez. Yanez picked up the victory with a third round KO. Mm. What did you make of this fight? Yeah, it was brilliant. I'd never actually seen either of these two fight before, but uh, what was interesting was um, Michael Bisbin on the commentary booth was saying how in Yanis's last fight, so I think it was Lopez's UFC debut, and yeah. then Yanis's last fight, he picked a 50k win, uh, 50k bonus, and okay. it kind of it ties back to what we were saying at the start of the podcast. Um, so on Yanis's first fight, he was still working full time. And he looked sensational yeah. in this fight. And he said that with that 50k bonus, it enabled him to train full time for the fight. And and, you, and it reflected in his performance. Like he just poured on the pressure with the boxing, and then just drops him with that counter cross in the third round. Mm. Just he just took him apart. It was just sensational. It was. Imp- it, was it was a really uh, yeah sensational. Is the word. It was a really impressive performance all round. And I just it, it was really it was very impressive. Well. He didn't mm. like just sort of taking the centre centre cage and just like not rushing anything but when Lopez throws he'd land like a few more back and he was just so precise mm, yeah um, and the finish came with that third round uh, third round finish and yeah, it, was, it wasn't like yeah it wasn't like super one-sided the fight like it was a good yeah. fight but mm. I thought um Yanez did really well and it shows what training yeah loads of feints and stuff but I just think paralysis by analysis sort of technique Mm. and I think um, like you said shows that if you were that 50 grand has made such a difference to him in that he was able to go and you know go to the gym two three times a day every day six days a week seven days a week when you're doing that, you're only going to get better, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then the, the fight which opened the main card was Taichu Avasa versus Harry Hunsucker. Um, this was... Uh, I always w- enjoy watching uh, Taichu Avasa because you know it's going to be probably a short fight. Yeah. And it's gonna, probably going to be fireworks. And, uh, yeah, short fight. Of course, yeah. Finished uh, 49 seconds. KO, TKO, rather. Um you know, it's not a great deal to analyse, but the enjoyable. I, I do think were the key to um, to Avasta's victory. He landed like uh, three outside leg kicks and one inside leg kick, mm. and with each one, you could just see the grimace on. Um, was it uh, Hunsucker. Harry? Harry Hunsucker. Yeah, you could just see his face. It just he was struggling to walk after one of them leg kicks. Um, yeah, and he just landed that huge bomb. Uh, what was good about Harry, he had that one moment of shine and he just closed the distance really quick, landed a few hands, but it's, it's like this is proper heavyweight fighting, do you know what I mean? You, oh, like, yeah. you, get, excited, you get excited for heavyweights because of the power they're packing. You expect to see the finishes and this fight just delivered. Yeah, Taito Vasa is a, the an animal, The leg kicks were the key to that, 
to that stoppage. Like he knocked yeah, him he's out, but set it was him up. the leg kicks that set it up. Really yeah, I agree with that. I just uh, just watching it back, like completely agree. The Taito Avasa is just a he's just an animal, just mm. absolute beast. He's got so like, much power. He was a hell of a lot bigger though. Like he was a much yeah. He's lost a lot of weight, haven't he? Yeah, but this he was taller, larger. But that's the thing when it, when they're heavyweight, they just get bigger and bigger, don't they? It's like oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a big I'm, division. I'm not, too sure, I'm not too sure what division's easier, because the light heavyweight division's often more stacked than the heavyweight division. But they just get freakishly big at the heavyweight division. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that light heavyweight division's ridiculous, though, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah. it's just like, stacked from head to toe. Right, Richard, to finish off, I would like to get your predictions for uh, Nganu versus Stipe Miocic. Oh, okay. Um, so <laughs> with Vigano, you just can't get hit. So like, I feel like the game plan. So Stipe won the first one, and Vigano um, has to work on his counter wrestling. And if you're Stipe, you just don't want to be standing with Vigano at all. So I'm gonna say that Stipe wins on decision because I think if it goes like into the sec, it's gonna it's a five round fight, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, as in Garno, did did it go five rounds the first time? Um, no. I'm not sure. I check now. Did it do? It was for the title, wasn't it? But yeah, it's, it's um. Oh, I can't find bloody internet browser's being weird. All right, let's go to his Wikipedia page. So yeah, it's uh, it's one of them, and like, these two like in has got so much power that if he does. Yes. Catch Un anyone? It's over. Yes. It's um, um. It's just one of those. So, so he, yeah, it went five rounds. Yeah. If anyone's getting knocked out, it's Stipe. Um, and if it, if this fight goes into the third round, I just don't know if Ingano, because the thing is with these power punches, the longer the fight goes on, the less power they're carrying towards the end of the fight. So yeah, for sure. The the game plan for Stipe seems obvious. Is you take him down to take away the kinetic energy. Take them down, keep them down, exhaust them, and um, I'm fifty-fifty. Like either Ingano is going to knock him out, or Steve is going to win under decision. I'm going to say um, Steve wins this on decision. That's that's what I'd put my money on. Um, but that's not a safe bet because with Ingano, it's just like if you get hit, it's done. So. But I, I just think Steve has got the really high fight IQ. He's the champion for a reason, and um, I think he would successfully defend the belt. Yeah, me too. I, I believe that um, it's going. It's like two ways, and either Ngannou will knock him out in the first round, or Stipe will just yeah, you know, beat him, beat him technically over five I just rounds. Think Stipe has more tools in his arsenal. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, his all round game is pretty well-rounded isn't it and like Stipe you know Stipe's no mug like with his striking you know he's um, yeah he's very he's a very good MMA fighter um, I do love just, his what if matchups it's kind of like what gets you so excited it's like yeah of course I can't honestly call it like with full confidence but I'm going to say Stipe so um, I will and as is tradition with um, with Danny I'd like to get the um the predictions for the for the main card fights uh, it's UFC 260 so there's some good fights doesn't have yeah. to be too in depth just who you think um, yeah. so we got 
Jamie Malarkey versus Karma Worthy um, in the opener. Karma Worthy has been quite impressive uh, last couple of fights. But, um, yeah, any any one of them sort of pushing you either way? Karma Worthy, knockout. Yeah, yeah, Round yeah, one. Why not? And <laughs> then... Uh, why not? And then the bantamweight is there next. We've got Sean O'Malley, which is, look. Uh, yeah, this is an interesting fight. Really, really exciting fighter to watch. Versus Thomas Almeida. That yeah. is just, um, that's just a good fight. Um, O'Malley's got a bit of a height difference. He's got three inches in height. But mm. Almeida's generally got a weight, bit more weight. And uh, O'Malley's got a reach advantage. So, like from that, from a physical attributes point of view, they're pretty evenly matched. How do you see the technical side of it and the fight going? I think um, O'Malley's going to win this because they're, they're both incredible. But it's kind—I of, know O'Malley's coming off of a loss, but I think he's—he's a—he's really with it, and I don't think a loss is going to hurt him that bad. I'm, I'm sure he's the type of guy that learns. From what, he's like—you can just tell—he's incredibly intelligent. Um, mm. And I, I think it's it's O'Malley's time, really. He's still, I know the hype train's been a little bit derailed, but this, the hype is still around O'Malley, and I think he's he's fully confident, and I, I think he's going to get the win, uh, knockout. I think so. Something yeah, about I the thought... way O'Malley, he's really tricky with his striking, and he just seems to stun these people. Yeah, he creates these weird um, weird angles, and uh, he's quite. Uh, he creates like. Uh, yeah. Almost unorthodox positions that, and strikes, and I quite like fight, it. Is it. No, no, is it? that's no. Uh, just the three rounds. That one. Um, yeah, O'Malley will knock him out in round three. That's just my guess. But yeah, uh, of course, I I believe that O'Malley's got that one. And then next up, we've got um, Vincent Luque versus Tyrone Woodley. Uh, Tyrone Woodley making his return to the cage. Um, it's going to be a fascinating watch. Tyron Woodley takes a lot of um, a lot of criticism. Yeah. Uh, coming off the last That's time he fought was September 2020 uh, against Colbert Covington, where he lost. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a long time since his last fight, mate. Mm. Who's his opponent again? Uh, Vincent Luque. Vincent Luque, and who did he fight last? Um, no, I don't have topology in front of me. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. I got the UFC card, so I can just click on him. Uh, so Vincent Luque fought. Everyone's sure familiar remember, with Woodley, but I'm not yeah, familiar with I remember. Him, I remember we talked about it. That's all. Uh, so he fought Brown uh, August 2020. So he hasn't fought in you know six months or so, even more than that. Um, he beat Brown uh, via KO in yeah. the second round. Before that, he beat. Price, and he lost to Stephen Thompson before that back in 2019. So I'm going to say he's on the back um, of a couple of wins. I, I think he's he's going to edge it over Woodley. I just think maybe who knows what Woodley's been doing with his time off. He is the former champion, but there's a lot of pressure if you've kind of been out of the game for a while, and the, and the game moves so fast. Um, timeout can do you good and at the same time it can do you not so good so it's hard to call but I'm going to say Woodley loses this one he just yeah, doesn't my thing with... have much support behind him and maybe the me- he's not got the mental game going on yeah my only th- my thing with Woodley is I just don't know whether he still wants to fight 
That's the like yeah. whenever I hear him speak and his last couple of performances, it just looks like the motivation's not there. Now I'm not saying whether it is or isn't. I'm he just saying that from the, the outside. Rapid, yeah. Was, it, it just was, seems so, from the outside. He's been looking at other avenues like getting a rap career going and I don't know maybe. Yeah, i I don't see Woody winning it. But no idea. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to go with Vincent Luque for that. Why not? Me just too. for the, just for the fun of it. But um, that is a wrap, Richard. Thank you for joining me, mate, and uh, stepping in for Danny as well uh, as he swans off around the world. But yeah. um, are you joining Danny. me? Are you joining me uh, next week? Yeah, or not? Next I can't remember what we said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next Sunday, same time, eight o'clock. Um, but we've got. Uh, Brad Wharton, Cage Warriors commentator, joining us, which I'm yeah. very much looking forward to. That'll be a good, uh, yeah. good little chat. Um, I think we're just going to do it like a quick sort of hour. Um, we'll I'll just talk about the too. UFC. Yeah, Sweet. I'll be on. Um, yeah, it'll be good. Um, some good fights on. Yeah, indeed, UFC yeah. 260. So we'll just talk that. Um, we'll focus on that next week. But uh, until then, guys, subscribe YouTube.com/slash Ace Podcast Nation. Spread the word about the Danny Batten fight show. Uh, we'll uh, be having top guests as usual uh, coming over the next month or so, including uh, we've got UFC uh, Scottish fighter Reese McKee joining us. Uh, we've got Ian Gary joining us hopefully at some point, and many other fighters. So uh, join us. Always an interesting conversation. We'll be back next week. Thank you. Good night. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.